Father, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you just for the beautiful weather this morning, God. I thank you for everyone that's here, Father, and we know that everyone's here for a plan and for a reason, God, for your purposes, not by chance. I pray, Father, as we open up your word that, Father, that we would be able to focus, Father, that there would be no distractions, Lord, that our hearts would be good soil this morning, God that we would hold on to the very truth that is your word. That as we abide in your presence this morning, um, and as you are among us, Father, that we would glean everything that you would have for us, that we would walk away different people, as any time that we're in your presence, we come away changed. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity that we have to meet corporately. May we never take that for granted, Father. In Jesus' name.
Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day, my God. And Father, we thank you for that truth. You are slow to anger. You are filled with compassion. Father, I pray today, God, that we would be alert to the leading of your Holy Spirit. Father, that our hearts would be good soil to receive your word this day, Father. From that, Father, we will live a life of obedience, a life that is fruitful and productive. We are continuing, Father, to grow and mature as Christians, as followers of Christ. We pray, Father, as we open your word today, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us, that you would encourage us. God, that our lives would burn bright so that others would come to know the goodness of our God, how great our God is. We thank you, Father, for for salvation. We thank you, Father, that it's not by man's work, but it's by Jesus and Jesus alone through His cross, through His death, through His resurrection. Father, that we can be reconciled to You. We can be at peace with You through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. For that, we praise You, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, I love to hear how God was working each of your lives. And if you ever have a testimony or something that you want to share, I would love for you to let me know so that we can have you share with everyone else to encourage us. So Yvette spoke with me earlier, and um, she wants to share, so I'm going to give her some time before we open the book of Ruth. My prayer for the last few weeks has been out of Psalm, it's Psalm 8, I'm sorry, Psalm 63, 1, um, And it says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. And I stop there and I'm like, search for you. Okay. I was a cop for a long time, so I've searched for people. but And we'll bulldog it till we find them. And it was like, have I really searched for you? Have I really searched for you in here? Not just, hey, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? So I started meditating on that. My soul thirsts for you. And if you... I've been in places and training and stuff where you're thirsty, you know, and uh, but what is that thirst? Is it, you know, the thirst that's inside of me? What is it? And I've read these scriptures over and over, and I'm just like, okay, and I read them, read them. Psalm 63, 1, and then it's like, my soul thirsts for you, my whole body longs for you in a parched and weary land where there is no water. And it's funny, the other day, I guess, I thought I paid my water bill when I came home. There wasn't any water. <laughs> I was like, oops. So I called and I said, but I paid my water bill. She goes, oh, you paid back here, but you didn't pay this one. And it's on my computer, and I don't get on my computer that often, so I don't get a hard bill. And I was like, oh, my goodness, and I was thirsty, and so was my dog. And here I am in a parched and weary land that there's no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than riches, more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I will lay awake at night 
or I will lay awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night, which has been happening a lot, because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. And the rest of it is really good too, but I left it there. And so I've been meditating on that, and I'm like, do I really know you? Do I really search for you? And I've been wanting, you know, I, I every opportunity now, I don't care where I'm at, who it is. It's, it's interesting. Last night at dinner, I had to meet for a meeting, and we were at Olive Garden. The waitress there was very vibrant, very, you know, young little black gal. She was so cool. She was so vibrant and that, such a sweetheart. And, you know, Nelson had said, what is your name? So we call her by her first name. And then she said, well, what are y'all's names? And she called us that. And it ended up becoming a God thing because she said, I left church long ago. And I've been doing, you know, more spiritual stuff, sage and stuff like that. And I get that, you know, and stuff. And yet she was so compelled because of what we had talked to her about just at dinner, you know. And it was like, oh, wow. So... She's going to be meeting with Nelson and us and thinking about coming here because she lives at Dean and University. She's like, oh my goodness, can we do coffee sometime? She was that excited. She wants to make a difference in the world. She goes, but maybe I need to do it God's way. And I'm like, maybe, you know, just maybe. But it wasn't this overpowering. And it all started by just asking her her name and telling her what a great job she was doing as a waitress because it was busy. Um, I left the hospital yesterday when I, I had gotten feeling a little bad and I was in the hospital overnight and I had left yesterday and in my room there was a, you know, they had a little curtain thing and I uh, had a lady in my room with me and I didn't speak to her till you know, yesterday morning when I came out of the shower dressed ready to go home because I was ready. I'm like, okay, good, I'm going home. She's about 72 and her husband had come in and she goes, oh, you look different because I had normal clothes on. <laughs> Y'all look different without the backs opened up and uh, I said, yeah, I'm going home and I don't even know how it started, but we started talking about God. We started speaking about things, how we have to slow down, how things can put us down to help us slow down. And her husband was a military guy, kind of like Rob Stature, not, you know, he, but he was a little shorter than that. But he's an incredible man, 72 as well, very quiet man. And he's like, yeah, I had to do the same thing. And, you know, and so I told him, we talked for, I'm telling you, 45 minutes Went over and I prayed with her. I put my arm around her and prayed with her. Prayed with her husband. She goes, Buzz, Buzz. His name was Buzz. Well, that's his name, what they call him. The crosses, the crosses. And he pulls out this bag, little Ziploc bag about this big, and it's full of these crosses. And he hand makes every one of them. And he just sent a thousand of them to Cuba. And he was actually in the military in Cuba uh, for five years. Their daughter was born there. And I thought, oh my goodness. Did I have this happen because you knew this meeting was going to take place? And he said, you know, you have one heart, one life event. You have to slow down. And he says, because he's type A as well. Very, like I said, quite man. So I put it, I said, oh my goodness. When I put my hand in my pocket, I'll feel the cross. And I'll always know it's time to slow down and get quiet, get still. So it reached me as well. That afternoon, that day before I went to the hospital and that earlier this week, I ended up coming home early from my mom's about 6.30, and there was a deputy sitting in the cul-de-sac, sitting in his patrol car, and of course I walk over, and I, you know, I, I introduce myself, and I'm like, is everything okay? And he said, well, there's been some burglaries in the air, a young black guy, and he says, uh, I don't know how we got on the conversation, I have no idea, God starts these, I call these God stops, he starts these, and the young man was sitting there, 
And I told him, you know, I had been in for 26 years and that I'm still, you know, admin reserve, which means absolutely, you know, I can still have the rest powers, means absolutely nothing though. And he's like, I'm, I said, how long have you been on? And he said, about two and a half years. And he says, and I don't want to do it anymore. And I'm like, oh, whoa. And he says, I can't even go to my section, my side of town. Blacks don't accept me. The whites and Hispanics don't accept me. They don't accept cops in general. And he said, I'm just tired. I'm thinking two and a half years. We used to hit about 15 years and hit burnout, you know, and then think, well, we got 10 more we could push through. And I said, you know, I, and we started talking, and I told him, you know, that the house was here, and anytime he was on patrol, if he was during his midnight shift, but if he was in the daytime and he wanted to just pop in and stand here or sit here while he was on duty, he was more than welcome to come on Sunday and hang out. You know, I prayed for him, and he said, you know, there's times I am, I'm scared. And, I, and I, he says, I don't know if I should say that or not. I don't know if that's not right and I said I'd worry more if you weren't scared because that'll keep you on your toes and it'll keep you safe and he said you know I prayed with him and you know I told Rob I called Rob or talked to him earlier or later that day and my heart just broke because there are bad ones but there are good ones more good than that there's bad people in the world but there's more good people in the world than there are bad there's more decent law enforcement firefighters whatever there's more people that are decent than there are bad and we got to quit giving the bad so much so I prayed for him, he, he took my card, I gave him one of our cards and stuff like that, told him if he needed to talk to Rob, there's, you know, he's the pastor, you could talk to him, gave him one of the True Fellowship, True Freedom Fellowship cards, I prayed with him, he goes, I can't wait to get home and tell my wife what a great ending of the night it was for me. And I said, well, that's God, sweetheart. And I said, you've got my number, you've got this number here, I don't care if you're on midnight shift, we're available 24-7 if you need us. And he said, I'll remember that, and he put it up there. So I get to work. And, I, and I'm like, oh, wow, Lord, what is this? I get to work, and I call one of the really high ups at the college. I had to get some information from one of my guys. And she works at the Criminal Justice Institute, and she's one of the top people there. We started talking, and she kind of broke a little bit. And she said, wow, I've never heard anybody be so open and honest. And she said, I come to work every day. I put my makeup on, and then I grab my mask and put it on. And she said, nobody knows what I go through when I come here. I'm so lonely. I may be head of this, or one of the head-ups in this area, but nobody knows how lonely I am, how I worry about my husband out there, how I worry, how I don't know what to expect next. And she said, you know, can we do lunch sometime? And I said, absolutely. You got my number, you got my cell number. I prayed with her right there on the phone. And she was a little, oh, you know, uncomfortable, but she was like, thank you so much. And then later that day, one of our, one of the gals that works at the college, who was a very strong Christian, came in, and we were walking down the hall, and in our Plant Ox building, it's new, and it's really long hall. When you go to the back, it's like from here, and you're like walking, and there's the door down there, and I'm like, wow, look at that, there's the light. I said, buddy, I'm going to run into that light, and I'm going to dance all my way down, and I'm laughing, and she's, she's also a black gal, she's like laughing, and going, I'm going to dance with you, you know, she's a little older. But we were laughing and cutting up. She goes, well, I can't wait till we can dance into that light of that. And I said, absolutely. You know, we talked. We talked about, you know, donations and how they can donate things to nonprofits. The gal that was with her is one of the women that they chose to work with her is not a Christian. And she was like, really? And we're talking about God. And she's rolling her eyes and basically making comments like, you know, I don't think we should be doing, we should be doing this at work or whatever. And I just kind of smiled. And I said, well, sometimes it'll cost y'all, 
you know, and so she goes, absolutely, you know, and she was like, and we prayed right there, and she said, get a hold of me, send me the emails and stuff for here and for the ministries and stuff, and I tell you this because it's not about me, because I'm not worthy to talk to anybody, but it's those God stops that they see each and every one of us, it's his, they see something in us, and there have been days, and Rob and Norman them know when I have really showed out at work where there was no God in me, and they knew it. It was like, whoa, she professed to be a Christian, but look at her attitude. And where I've had to call the whole plan ops department together and say, look, I owe you an apology. I, and I profess to follow Christ, but yet I act so, my mouth, my attitude, and they were just like, oh. It's, and it's scary, but at least they know, wait a second, she's, you know, she's a person that has no problem saying she's wrong. And I encourage us, the dinner last night was nothing about, it just happened. It just happens. When we're in the store, when we're, you know, again, I always tell everybody, when we get in an elevator, we all stand there like this. And I'll just kind of, sometimes at the college, I'll kind of go like this. My students are looking at me, I'm like, what are we, what are we looking for? They're like, well, nothing. I'm like, did it move? And they're like, why? I said, you're looking up now. And it's like, then we start laughing and we talk. Sometimes you got to really get goofy and come out of your comfort zone because they're young people. And it's like, they think you're a crazy old lady. But it's all good because those people have will come back to you and say, I need to talk. The young girl, I'll leave you with this, Leah. She came in our office when I was in security part-time and I was a mess. I had went there to stand and look at the lake because I was really contemplating something that probably wasn't a good thing to contemplate, and I'll leave it there. I was in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt, and I just walked out to the lake at the college before I worked there. And I stood there, and security officer came up and said, can I help you? I said, no, I'm fine. And she goes, well, you can't be here. I said, look, I just, I said, I grew up on this property. I just needed to come see something a little normal, okay? I'm not bothering anything. I'm not over there where the alligator is. I'm just standing here, and I didn't have... A lot of God confidence then. And that's when I, they, she said, well, you want to go talk to Keith? You know, and then she took me to Keith, and I got hired part-time. This young girl comes in with a new baby like y'all have, frazzled. And she's trying to do classes, and she's a single mom. Doesn't The dad doesn't even know. She doesn't want the dad to know she's had this child. And to this day, he still doesn't know. Um, she's trying to do classes. She comes in because she had a ticket from the college on her car because she forgot to buy a decal, so she got a ticket. Nothing major. It's just... You know, it's like, get a decal and we shred the ticket. But to her, it was major. She was trying to find a job. She didn't know what to do. And she was just sobbing. And I said, come on back here. And I had just gotten my job part-time. And I said, what's going on? And, you know, we talked. And you know, I said, why don't you talk to Keith? We worked some things. She ended up getting a part-time job at the library. That was seven years ago. And she is the head of our students with disabilities. And her child is an incredible kid. And it was like, she said, she called the other day. She goes, I've really missed seeing you. And I know I haven't spent time. She goes, I just can't stop thinking and thanking God that you came into my life and helped me get a job when I was so frazzled. Little did she know how frazzled I was. She had no idea how fractured and broken I was from everything that had happened to me. But at that moment, when God steps in and he uses us, our fracturedness goes to the back. It's all about him because they're not seeing us broken. They're seeing him whole. And we can go back to our fractured positions, as I have so often done, help people, then grab my fractured self and carried me away. Um, but I think with all the God stops that we have, this was an incredible week because I've never been open 
enough to let people get in to where I'll say, well, let's talk. Or so I'm kind of like, okay, well, someone else will reach them. I don't need to. Not anymore. It's too, it's too close. Things are happening, and these people are hurting, and they really need us. From a cop in the cul-de-sac to a CEO of a college area to a young girl waiting on tables from UCF getting ready to graduate with her master's in psychology to an older couple in their 70s whose wife had a heart issue and they were both holding on to each other to the young lady that's also excited about God. It, it's what we produce and what we project, and it's not perfect, but sometimes it reaches a lot more. And again, what we reach will reach other people. So. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Eva, for sharing. That's encouraging, and I would encourage you all to continue to burn bright out there and to share um, your faith and the good news that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So the book of Ruth is where we're heading, so if you got your Bibles, let's turn there. And as you're going there, we're going to kind of do just a review real quick on the book of Ruth. So I shared with you a few weeks ago that hopefully kind of the theme through this book, and it's only four chapters, we'll do two today and two next week, is the best is yet to come. No matter what your circumstances are, in Christ, we have hope. And that hope in Him will never disappoint us, the Word of God says. The Word of God also says that He works all things out for the good, for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. See, your circumstances aren't to define you. Christ is. As a believer, if you're sitting here today and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your position is in Christ. Your position is one that is whole. One that is, that is at peace. Not one that is shattered and broken. <clears throat> Yet though the past may scream your name, the brokenness may try to remind you of what it was like to be broken, as a believer you're to stand into war against that which tries to define your identity and to strip you of your newness that's in Christ. And we talk a lot here, how does the Word of God, well let me back up, we talk a lot about what the Word of God says, how does He transform us? By the renewing of our mind. So the Word of God says, as you think, so you go. So if your brokenness is defining you, then you will remain broken. Your circumstances will remain broken. You will always feel an emptiness. You will never be satisfied. Or at least the word I like, content. I love it when Paul is able to say in the word of God, I'm content, rather I'm rich or poor. Rather I'm freed or I'm a slave. I'm content. No matter what my circumstances are, Paul is speaking and he's just a man. And so it's no different for us to be able to get to a place where we can be content. What's driving you today? Is it brokenness? Is it that deep longing just to feel secure or wanted or loved? Is it your past that defines you? Is it desires that are leading you? You see, brokenness 
is not meant for your destruction. Your circumstances that you're facing that may be challenging is not meant to destroy you. The seasons in life where you just feel barren or lost or alone is not to hold you captive. You see, it's through these circumstances that we face, they should bring us to a place of humility where we seek God even more. And then we get to a place as Jesus did, not my will, God, but yours. Whatever you would have for me through this, God, have your way. Have your way. The best is yet to come. Through the book of Ruth, we are reminded that in life there are setbacks, that there is hope, and that obedience will always pay off in the end. Now let me give you a quick overview of the book of Ruth. To start out, a woman by the name of Naomi packed up and moved from Judah to Moab due to a terrible famine that was affecting her family. She and her husband moved there with their two sons who eventually took wives while living in Moab. Tragically, Naomi lost her husband and two sons, broken and empty. Naomi decided to move back to Bethlehem in Judah. Her daughter-in-law, Ruth, came with her, since she had also lost her husband. So keep in mind that Ruth was a Moabite woman, and she was now moving to Judah as a foreigner. This was a big deal in their culture. But she was committed to Naomi as her daughter-in-law, and she wanted to follow after the God of Israel. So while in Judah, God worked out an amazing plan for a man named Boaz to take Ruth as his wife, give her a child, and provide for her and Naomi. What's remarkable about this plan was that Boaz was qualified as a kinsman redeemer to take her as his wife. So what is a kinsman redeemer, you may ask? Well, they had a custom in those days based on Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 5 through 6, that directed that a relative of a man who dies should marry the man's widow in order to perpetuate his lineage through his woman. According to God's remarkable sovereignty, it turned out that Boaz was a relative to Ruth's husband who had passed away. So he was qualified to marry her and perpetuate his lineage. So even in the midst of Ruth and Naomi's awful affliction, God still had a plan to take care of them. That's what I hope we hear as we're reading through the book of Ruth, that God has a plan to take care of us, no matter what we're facing. Four chapters have impacted my life over the past month and a half. There's so much that I've gotten out of these four chapters that I'm hoping to encourage us in. So I want you to be really attentive to, to, as we're reading through this incredible testimony of these two women and how God provided. And just as God provided a Redeemer for Ruth and Naomi, we must remember for our lives today, God has provided a Redeemer for us through Jesus. Jesus is our Redeemer. He's purchased us. He's purchased us with his blood. 
So if you're sitting here today and you don't know Jesus, or if you've never accepted him as Lord and Savior, I just encourage you. I'm not sure what's holding you back. There's nothing in this world that can compare to his great love for you. For his great love for you. And he's not waiting for you to make yourself perfect, because you never can. What he's waiting for you is just to turn and receive this free gift that he gives you. This free gift. And then to grow in it. To follow him until the day you stand before him, you all. Listen, being a Christian doesn't mean coming to church. Church isn't going to save you. Being a Christian is walking in the fullness and receiving the fullness of salvation and walking in obedience unto the Lord. As he leads, as he gives you what is needed to live a godly life. Because the word of God says he's given us everything we need. Everything we need. I want to say to you, are you comfortable with your brokenness? Is your situation and your circumstance your norm? I was sitting at lunch the other day with two of the ladies that I work with. And we were talking about different things. And um, one of the ladies was sharing about what her daughter's going through. And right out of, out of my mouth, I said to her, Oh, well, you know, that's that's normal. And she was like, yeah, you know, they all kind of go through it. And then as I'm eating and I took a bite, I look over and I glance at this young woman, Sierra. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. I mean, God really convicted me. No, that's not normal. That's not normal. Running amok is not normal. Living in chaos and dysfunction and craziness and brouhaha is not normal. But when you live it and that's all you know, it's normal. And the reason why God brought convictions, I looked at Sierra, and she's a young girl who loves the Lord, the God, her God, with all of her heart, all of her soul, all of her mind, all of her body. And I looked and I said, I'm sorry. That is not normal. And I looked at Sierra and I said, that's normal. You're normal. She's not perfect. But she's a young girl who has followed Christ the majority of her life. And her life represents that. Her marriage, her, her love story with her husband is amazing. If you ever want to watch a beautiful video of, 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 of right before a wedding service, I'll show it to you. It's a beautiful testimony of their love for one another. And he's a great guy. He's a Christian man who loves God with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind, and loves Sierra. They're not perfect. So I don't, I don't puff them up to, to make it about them. No, what's normal is what God does in the lives of people who transforms us from darkness to light. But so many times we can say, well, this is my norm. My brokenness defines me. My lack defines me. 
My circumstances define me. And we talk about it over and over and over and over and over until it defines everyone around us. And it will not stop until someone stands up and says, this is not normal. This isn't normal. Until we really get serious and say, this cannot be the norm. This constant dysfunction. Day after day after day after day. It's killing us. And the sad thing is, we know the truth. See, what we have to start doing is growing up and maturing in whom we say we are following. Who is our Redeemer? Jesus. We don't beat ourselves up. We don't try to say, oh, we're trying to meet this mark. We're trying to be good. No, you can't be. I can't be. Only Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, when he reveals his great love for us, he pursues us. He desires an intimate relationship with you. He wants to work things out for your good, but you can't use him. To get what you want and think that's what love is. Because that's not normal. True love lays their life down. It's not about me, Jesus. It's about you. So as we're going through the book of Ruth, I want you to see that this woman, Naomi, could have allowed her barrenness She could have allowed the death of her husband and her sons. She could have allowed just the the, the loneliness of life and the bitterness to become her norm. But she didn't. She trusted in the sovereignty of God. And what does that mean? She trusted that God was in control. And in doing so, she impacted her daughter-in-law's life. A Moabite woman, Ruth, she wasn't a Jewish woman. She didn't grow up hearing about God and the greatness of God. She served many gods. She was a foreigner. And yet she was so impacted by Naomi's life, she didn't just say to Naomi, I'll follow you. No, she made it a point to say, and I will follow your God. Wow. I've encouraged us before here, how does people see your God? (laughs) Because they're watching you. We're professing Christians, but how do they see our God? Are our lives impacting others in the way in which Naomi's life impacted Ruth? Because it should. Could you just imagine if Naomi looked at her situation, she was living in a foreign land, 
the God of Israel was not being worshipped, she could have grown comfortable in the foreign land. She could have cursed God and blamed God for the death of her husband and her, and her sons. For, for her whole situation, she could have blamed God and then got caught up in the foreign land with their gods. She could have became complacent and began to act like all those around her. And she probably could have sat down and stayed seated, murmuring, complaining, and fault-finding. No. I love it that we're going to hear today that she heard what God was doing in Judah. The famine was over in Judah. To me, when I read that, that shows me that she was diligent to keep a keen eye and ear to the reports of the Lord. And as soon as she heard that the famine was over, she says, I'm heading back. I'm heading back. And you know where she was heading back to? The Bible, as we're going to read the story, she was heading back to Judah, the land. And if you know anything about Judah, who he was, in that, in that, as well as the the um, the tribe of Judah, they were known for praise. They were worshipers. And I love the fact that she was heading back to the place of praise. To a place that she didn't know what was ahead of her, but she knew God was moving. And she was going back. And I would ask you all, what do you keep going back to? Is it a barren desert land of murmuring, complaining, fault-finding, nothing's good, always drama, chaos a-brewing? Or are you heading to a place of praise, of giving God the glory and the honor, of worshiping Him? And I love the fact, too, that we're going to see even Naomi say, God calls this in my life. And you may think she's complaining about God. But the more I've been studying this, she's not complaining. She's stating an understanding that she has an understanding of the sovereignty of God. And I love the fact, too, she's not trying to be super spiritual, pretending nothing's bothering her. As some of us can do. We become so religious, we're of no good, of no value to anyone else. I love the fact that this woman is transparent to the other women. No, don't call me Naomi, we're going to read. She says, call me Mara. Because <laughs> God has basically stripped me down. <laughs> so when we read that, don't look at it. As an insult, if you would. No, I see she's just being transparent. Because if it was a place of bitterness, she wouldn't have gone back. She would have stayed where she was. So I want to encourage us to be transparent. And even in our transparency, make sure it's honoring God. Make sure that you keep going forward. Keep going forward. I follow this one guy on social media. He's not a Christian. 
but I like him. I pray for him daily. He's so positive. He's got quotes. He's got he's got knowledge. You know, he, he's just he's every day. And him and his girlfriend are over in Thailand. I think that's where they were. Some foreign, some secluded island. And I've been following him and her. And they're just the cutest couple. And there's always something, they always, always just something so positive going on in their life. It's sad because ultimately all they're putting the hope in is what's temporal. If they drop dead, they're going to be into an eternal hell because they deny Christ as Lord. But I watch them and I go, God, how is it the world? The loss have a grasp on how important it is to think upon what you're thinking upon and watch and watch your mouth and watch your tongue and what's coming out of it. How does the world have a better understanding of getting their life together by applying principles from your word and yet not know you. Refuse to know you. And yet people gather in churches week in and week out. They hear these same principles. They confess to know God and have relationships with Jesus. And yet, not everyone, but the majority are not changed. They murmur, they complain, they fault find. Nothing's good. Everything's a problem. No one's upholding truth. What this guy and his girlfriend believes, they live. Day in and day out. Day in and day out. Day in and day out. They live it. God, I pray for the church that God, we would be people who live what we say we believe day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out, that ultimately the draw wouldn't be to us, but to you. But to you, God. To you. I've told you before, all these other religions that are out there in this world, their principles are what they believe are actually all found in this book. The sad thing is they just don't believe the author of the book and what he's come to give. They don't believe in Jesus. But these principles and every other religion in this world is found in here. And you can't just take and pick and choose what you want. Listen, the unsaved can live a full life on this earth. They can live a happy life on this earth. That's all they've got. That's all they have. So don't put your eyes on the unsaved and think something that they have is worth 
denying your God for? It's not. Naomi didn't deny her God. She kept her eyes on him, even in the midst of suffering. Ruth, chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. <coughs> the man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died. And Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpha, and the other Mary, I'm sorry, and, and the other, a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. Wow. It starts off with this severe famine. And Elimelech decides to move his family to Moab, a foreign city, a foreign place. They take up camp there, if you would. They settle down. And shortly after, he dies. He dies. Two sons end up marrying Moabite women. And then ten years after that, they die. They die. I'm thinking as I'm reading this, wow. You see, God has a plan for each of our lives. The Bible, as we have been reading in the New Testament, the Bible tells us that He has prepared good works for us to do at the beginning of time. Before the earth was even formed and laid out, you were thought of and good works were prepared for you to do. For his kingdom. For his purpose. And I, as I've been meditating on this, I've been getting so excited because I'm thinking, God, all of this orchestrated, was orchestrated to get Ruth to where she was going. All of it. All 
purpose of God. To bring about the lineage, if you would, of King David. And then from King David, the promise comes of the Messiah even more. That one king that would come from King David's family. That would reign forever. Jesus. Man. And as we go in now to Naomi's return to Judah, I want you to think about that. She's lost her, her husband. She's lost her sons. She's in a foreign city. But yet, though she has settled there, she hasn't taken on their culture. Let that be a lesson for us. This world is not our home. We are foreigners. We're not to be taking on the culture of this world. Settling in with the world. As if this is our home. It's not our home. If you're a believer today, it's not our home. Like Naomi, let us not settle in. Settle down, but don't settle in. In each and every single day, honor God. Live for Him. Let the culture see that they can't define you. Ruth must have saw something in Naomi's life. She was inspired by the God in whom Naomi called to. Even in the midst of such tragic loss of loneliness, of emptiness. Ruth was inspired. She had to be. Because why else go? Why else commit your life? Would you commit your life to someone who is not showing any hope? I mean, day in and day out, she could have murmured, complained, and fought fine, and just rejected God and been filled with such anger. Ruth wouldn't have followed that. Ruth would not have been impressed. Now Ruth had to have seen something in Naomi's life to say as we're about to read, Naomi, I am committed to you. I'll go wherever you go and I'll follow your God. Because in verse 6 it says, Then Naomi heard in Moab, that the Lord had blessed the people in Judah by giving them good crops again. Remember what I said earlier? She's heard. She has been paying attention to the, what God is doing. So Naomi and her daughter, daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living. And they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you 
for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. Godly woman. A godly woman, you all. She looked at her two daughter-in-laws, and she wanted more for them. Return back. And in returning, may the Lord bless you. Going back wasn't a problem. Because as we're going to read, one of them went back with the blessing. Ruth desired more for her daughter-in-laws. She cared about them and their future. And that teaches me a lesson. And I hope it teaches all of us a lesson. Are you shackling others with your pain and your life and keeping them burdened down with you? Or are you freeing people to go? Are you blessing them to go and be all that God And have all that God has for them. Ruth, I mean, Naomi loved God. And she blessed her daughter-in-laws to go. I'm heading back to a place of praise. To my homeland. But you too, return to your mothers. And listen to what she says here. And may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of, an, of another marriage. They kissed, they said their goodbyes, and they wept together. What a beautiful scene. What a beautiful scene. No, they said. We want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, Why should you go? I'm sorry, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No. My daughters, return to your parents' home, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible and I were to be get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not. My daughters, things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fists against me. Wow. Wow. Strong language, yes. But the reality is I'm certain as I've been reading and studying this that, they, that Naomi understood the sovereignty of God. God is in control. He permits what he permits. And I'm okay with it. And you say, well, how do you know she was okay with it? Because look what she's saying. 
to her daughter-in-laws. She is still using the Lord's name and blessing others. She is still being attentive to how the Lord is working <coughs> in areas. She is still following the Lord, but yet she knows that all of this is orchestrated by Him. So go, girls. Do you hear the message of freedom that she's given them, if you would? Go. Listen, it's not going to do you any good. I'm too old. Go and live fruitful lives. Go. I love this picture. Because she could have demanded them to stay with her. She could have guilt them, manipulated them, and played with their emotions just to keep companions around her. She could have. She could have used what God purposed for her benefit in her life. And she would have kept those two enslaved with her. But she chose not to. And again they wept together. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, Oh, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Wow. Ruth was like, no, I'm with you. And not only am I with you, but I'm with your God. <laughs> she had to have seen something in Naomi's life for that level of commitment. I'm just not with you, Naomi. I'm with your God. And may he punish me severely. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is that really Naomi? The women asked. Don't call me Naomi. <laughs> she responded. Instead, call me Mara. For the Almighty has made my life very bitter for me. I, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer? And the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me. 
So Naomi returned to Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. And you need to understand, the time that they arrived was an appointed time because it was harvest time. They didn't arrive too soon and they didn't arrive too late. They arrived at the right time. It's harvest time. And again, Naomi understands the sovereignty of God. I know, and, and this is a touchy subject, and I understand that, but I would just encourage you just to go read through his word and see the awesomeness of our God. The awesomeness of our God. Allow his sovereignty to be not used as a, as a tool to make you question him, but to draw you closer to him. To surrender your life to him. Whatever needs to happen, God, I will trust in you. You will see all through Scripture how God showed up and how God orchestrated events for things to take place for His purpose to be done. And if you're having a problem dealing with the sovereignty of God, then I would ask that you meet one-on-one with me so that we can go through and gain an understanding of how we can be sure that our God is for us, even in the midst of such difficulty. Paul even addresses to the church. He said, who are you, mere man, to question God? God would raise up instruments, people, for his benefit. It's his bidding, it's his choosing. Because ultimately, everything that's taking place is accomplishing what God has purposed from the beginning of time. So yet though, Naomi was very transparent to these other women. She wasn't discounting who God was. And the importance it is to understand His sovereign plan. I once had a full life, she says. But God has stripped me of it. Wow. And she still loves God. She still is obeying God's leading. And we enter the next chapter at the right time. (laughs) And we're going to see your character is so important. How you live your life and everything you say and do is so vital if Jesus is going to be made known. I love the fact that Ruth is a woman who is committed to her word. She was a diligent worker. She was faithful to what she said she was going to do. She didn't jump at the first guy that came along to get out from underneath her mother-in-law. 
She didn't go into this new city expecting anything. She was a foreigner, you all. Do you understand the severe, especially at that time, how prejudiced they were against her? These are God's people. Plus, she was a woman. And back in those days, women were not highly esteemed. Especially a foreign woman. But we're going to read about Ruth's character, y'all. And man, she has inspired me. I pray that she's inspiring you. I pray that you're reading it. Like she is honoring her commitment. How are we doing that? Day in and day out, at our jobs, in our homes, or out and about. She didn't make excuses. She was diligent. Because you know why? Because she had a great example. Naomi. (laughs) Naomi. Who's looking at your life? And how are you inspiring others to live faithfully? Faithfully. Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. So, not only is it the right time, but everything that's in place in this season is right. Because there's a kinsman redeemer. And what's beautiful about this is Ruth and Naomi's intent wasn't to go back and say, let's find a kinsman redeemer for you. Oh, you're going to stay with me? I'm going to hook you up. (laughs) No. No. They were just going blindly, if you would. They didn't know what and how things would end up. All they knew is God was moving. Crops were coming back. And we need just to do life. Day in and day out. Trusting in the Lord. But Boaz is in town. One day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up stalks of grain left behind by anyone who was kind enough to let me do it. Interesting. Naomi didn't tell Ruth to go. Ruth asked for permission. She understood what was up against her in this culture that she was in. But she didn't care what was going to happen. She wanted to labor, if you would. She wanted to work. She wanted to be able to bring in some source of food and contribute to the household. So if they will be so kind, she says, she understands what she's up against. But she's not using what's up against her to define her, you all. How are you getting up every morning going to work? Are you complaining about others? 
how they treat you, what they do, this and this and this and that. You're a foreigner. Oh, that Ruth inspire us to get up in every day and say, even if they're not kind to me, I will still go in with the right attitude. And I will work diligently. I will put my hands to this and I will honor God. And I will contribute to the household. Whatever they give me. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Imelech. So it just so happens. See how God works details out? See how God works it all together to bring about what he has planned and purposed? And see how she didn't try to push her way to the line of the harvesters of being among them? She knew her place. And she honored God right where she was at. She honored God right where she was at. Being looked down on. Being lonely, I'm sure. I'm sure she had Naomi's company. I'm sure as as a woman, she longed to have a husband. Maybe even more friends. But here she is. With her mother-in-law. She didn't allow that to define her. She didn't. She, we, we, it's not captured. It would have been captured if it was so. If she was had a defeated mindset that me, myself, and I, poor me, poor my life, and I'm stuck with this old woman. No. She honored God. Right where she was at. And she went to the right field. <laughs> so while she's out there working, you all, diligently, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, Who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, She is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Wow. Her work ethic was strong. Was a hard worker. Hard work pays off, you all. Mm-hmm. Hard work pays off. When you go into the office or you go into school or wherever you may be, you just work hard. The Word of God tells us to work as unto the Lord, not as unto man. To be diligently, diligent, to be faithful, to be committed. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us. When you gather grain, don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young woman working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned, I love this, the young man not to treat you roughly. Hmm. 
And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I am only a foreigner. I mean, if you understand what's taking place here, Boaz is bringing her in. Boaz is giving her a place of security. A place, if you would, of wholeness. She's been given instructions to follow. And look how her response was. So humble. So humble. She recognized she was a foreigner in that land. And yet she was so humble. She wasn't bitter. She didn't demand rights. She didn't try to start a mob. Or organize, you know, chaos. She recognized, you're being really gracious to me. Yes, I know, Bo, I said. But I also know, listen to this, about everything you have done. For your mother-in-law, for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and your mother in your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, listen to this line, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Wow. May the God of Israel, the one in whom you sought refuge, wow, reward you fully for your obedience. Boaz checked in to Ruth's life. And the reports that he heard, a solid character. Oh, if people checked in on our lives, what would be the report, you all? See, we gotta wake up. There is a way in which we ought to live. It may not be the way of the world and how everything else is going out there. You follow that, you're going down the wrong road. But there is a way in which we are to live in this earth, on this earth, and in the time period that we have. I was telling Carrie the other day, I've been thinking, contemplating a lot about life lately. Have you taken time to really contemplate about life? In an instant, you're here, and in an instant, you're gone. You're riding high one day, and you're dead the next. You live in la vida loca <laughs> one second, and you're dead the next. Your life is but a breath. Wow. What are you doing with it? What am I doing with it? Can we not really see Are our eyes really not open to see the grand plan that God has? Mm 
Are we just being led astray by the cares of this world and the temporalness of life that will keep you bound to it just so that you can just fill yourself with whatever you want? Come on. Can we not truly see what God has planned? You weren't created for the temporalness of life. You were created for eternity. And He has made a way for you to be with Him where you ought to be, because that's who you were purposed to be. One with God, not one apart from Him for eternity. Like you choose His wrath over His love by how you live your life. You choose to remain in rebellion or to remain in obedience. Ruth had a choice. She chose to remain obedient. And in doing so, her life reflects that. Because Boaz checked on her life. Listen to what he said. I've heard all that you've done. And for doing so, she's being rewarded. She's being rewarded. And the great thing is, the more I'm studying and reading about her, her motives were pure. She wasn't manipulating. She wasn't trying just to put on a show to look good. No, she was just herself. You don't have to work it up. Just honor God. Just live right. In a crooked and perverse age. Just live for God. And look how she responds. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. Mm. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, Come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with, her, with his harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her, and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day, And when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law, Ruth. I'm sorry, showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Where did you gather all this grain today, Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whom and in whose field she had worked. She said, The man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. The man is one of our closest relatives. Listen to this. One of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, What's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good, Naomi exclaimed. 
Does do as he said, my daughter. Stay with his young women right through the harvest, through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. So Ruth worked along the women in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer. And all the while, she lived with her mother-in-law. Wow. Ruth, the foreigner, being promoted. Not to stay far in the back. No, come right up along. Also, provision being provided for her and her household. They went from nothing to something. And I love the fact that Naomi instructed her, stay alongside them. Don't look at other fields if you would. Stay right where you're at. Wow. And I would encourage us, don't look at other fields. (laughs) Stay right where you're at. Ruth still had to work. She still had to labor. And so do we. We have to work. We have to labor. We have to be obedient. And I love how the chapter ends and where we end today. She remained faithful, committed to her word, to her mother-in-law. Notice she didn't like, oh look, I'm getting this and I'm going to get mine. And move on to myself. No, she was committed. She stayed. May we be committed to Christ. Just as Ruth was committed to Naomi, may we be committed to Christ. Like we're all in, God. I'll go where you go. I will cling to you. There's nothing more important to me in this world. Our relationship. May we be inspired today as we've read through this word, both of these examples are from these women. I would encourage you to go back and read it. Meditate on it. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring forth application in your life that would inspire others as Naomi inspired Ruth in her generation to remain faithful. Amen. I'm going to close this with a song and then I'll close this in prayer. Oh
Oh, oh, oh.